0: Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Prosperity by the Pine. I'm your host, Bryce Carter, certified financial planner, charter financial consultant, and self-proclaimed millennial money expert. I'm here to talk to you about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. The cold beer of choice this week is Founders All Day IPA. They are over in Grand Rapids, Michigan. This is actually a... This beer is a staple of mine. It's a session IPA. It is, so it's only 4.7% alcohol, and it is, it's just a lovely beer. But let's give her a Sipski. You can, it's one of those IPAs, because it's a session that you could just drink, you could drink while playing golf and it's 105 degrees out and be completely comfortable. So, this week's episode, I wanted to talk about student loan forgiveness and why you shouldn't get your hopes up with a recent talk about this. So, this is not a political post. This is not, that's not what this podcast is about. It's not about uh, the politics of one party or another, one individual or another. This is simply about financing and, and the facts behind finances and why if you have a large amount of student debt and you're working really hard to pay it off and you're budgeting and prioritizing, you should probably keep doing that as opposed to banking on somebody bailing out your student loans. So it's not a political topic, but I can understand why some people might think it's political. But let's look at this because this has been, this has been in the news a lot lately. There's been a lot of talks about it. And two of the most prominent uh, Democratic candidates for president have put out Pretty, pretty lengthy proposals or bills on this topic, and which is forgiving student loan, whether it's all or or majority of the country's student loan debt, which is something like $1.6 trillion. I don't know if it's true, but I read the other day that it is the largest asset of the U.S. government. So that's kind of staggering to think about. But there's been essentially two candidates that have made two pretty, pretty well-known proposals on this, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren and Senator Bernie Sanders. So, I wanted to talk about those proposals, uh, the likelihood that they actually go through, and what some maybe more reasonable and likely scenarios uh, would be for, for student loan reform. So, essentially, Senator Sanders would cancel all student loan debt. Just, it's all gone. And then make. Uh, there's also a proposal with this to make uh, college tuition free, whether that's just two years or four years. Uh, there's been various different conversations about that. Um, Senator Warren has proposed canceling uh, up to fifty thousand dollars of student loan debt for most borrowers that make less than two hundred fifty thousand a year. So the, the the two biggest contrasts here are Warren would basically. Limits who's going to be getting the forgiveness. So let's say you went to a really expensive college and let's say Harvard, where she taught at, and you got a really expensive Harvard law degree, which comes with a really, really nice salary because you're a very qualified individual. So many, many Harvard law graduates, I imagine, are making pretty good money, can probably afford their student loan payments. So if you're making $250,000 or more, you're not going to get the benefits of that. Um, and there's a phase-out period of various different income, and, it, and it's only for giving up to $50,000. Uh, Senator Sanders, on the other hand, it's everything, all student loan debt, just gone instantly. Now, here's the problem with that, is some people don't need necessarily the the, the relief. Uh, as I mentioned before, Harvard Law, a student that graduates, gets a law degree, gets a great job at a great law firm, might not be hurting at all. A A doctor that... For instance, doctors, as we all know, have a lot of education, which usually comes with a lot of student loan debt, but also a pretty healthy income, right? Um, If you're an anesthesiologist, specialist doctor, or a brain surgeon like uh, Ben Carson was, you're probably doing okay and probably able to make your student loan payments. So I don't, that's one element where, you know, if I were to, I'm not going to say whether I like or, or dislike either one of the plans, I do happen to believe that if you uh, if you sign up for uh, something, you make an obligation, you borrow money, you should pay it back. But I, one thing I really do not like about Senator Sanders' plan is that it just does it for everybody. And, and, and that's unnecessary, I think. Uh, Elizabeth Warren's plan, on the other hand, does have some income phase-outs. Now, Senator Sanders' plan and Senator Warren's plan have different... Uh, different ways of paying for them, right? Because this is all we all got to pay for it somehow, right? Doesn't you didn't, don't just snap your fingers and make money disappear, which is essentially what this is being sold as. But it, it is they're going to pay for it through various different taxes. Now, Senator Sanders, beer break, real quick, guys. Hmm, that is lovely, Senator Sanders has proposed a, uh, a, a bes- basically a financial transaction tax where there's a certain percentage that uh, is applied as a tax to every stock, buy or sell, bond, buy or sell, uh, derivatives, buy or sell. Here's where I have a really, really, really big issue is this, is it is being sold as a, uh, a tax that's really going to only affect Wall Street. But think about it. If you have a 401k that's in, and it's invested in mutual funds, and that mutual fund buys and sells stocks Guess what? And they got to pay a tax now on every single one of those. You think they're just going to pay for that out of the goodness of our heart, of their heart? Hell no. The expenses on your mutual fund are going to go way up. So it will incrementally affect every single American that's trying to save for retirement. And as we know, if you've been on this pod, listening to this podcast for a little while, is that never before in history, in modern history, has retirement been more centered on you as the individual right? You can't rely on your government to take care of you. You can't rely on your company to send you off with a gold watch at uh, after 30 years of service and a lifetime pension, right? You're reliant on you, which means your investments have to do well and you have to save diligently. If your investments overnight, all of them increase in cost dramatically because of financial transaction tax, don't you think that's negatively going to impact you over the next 30, 40, 50 years? Absolutely. So you can't tell me, can't sell me on the fact that that's only going to impact Wall Street. That's going to come home to every single American that's trying to save for investments, uh, save it for, for uh, retirement through investment vehicles. Senator Warren's plan is perhaps a little bit less of a shock for me uh, to look at, and it's a wealth tax on something like 75,000 uh, American households that have a net worth of over $50 million. I have concerns on that one about the wealth creation uh, or the wealth tax um, impeding job creation uh, th- for these individuals, because many of those people are entrepreneurs and business owners that have built over their lifetime uh, successful practices, uh, businesses, and created a lot of jobs. So, do I necessarily want to see anybody pay any more tax? No, but I have some concerns about that one impeding job growth. But again, I'm not going to get too political on this. So, to say, if I were to say, I would say I have much more concerns about senator warren's uh, Senator Sanders plan than Senator Warren's, but on needless to say, I am tend to be a believer that this isn't going to happen anyways because let's go over what has to happen first, one of these candidates has to be elected president. That's the first hurdle. The second hurdle is they have to win back the Senate, so the Democratic Party has to have the Senate, and the third hurdle is they have to keep and likely gain their majority in the House. So you got kind of three things going on there, and we're in a pretty political, uh, politically divisive country right now. I, you know, political, no political expert out there thinks that the House is, uh, the Senate's going to flip. So uh, the presidential election that's way too soon It's way up in the air. I just saying I wouldn't get my hopes up if I were you. Now, if Senator Elizabeth Warren or Senator Bernie Sanders happens to be listening, a couple of things that I think might be maybe have could get some bipartisan support and have a better chance is a couple of few simple things. Let's look at loan interest rates, student loan interest rates. All right, if I got a blue collar person that's that's listening to this and laughing, saying these idiots shouldn't have went to college for their liberal arts degree. They didn't, you know, screw them, make them pay their debts back. I get it. I can understand where you're coming from. Let's just not hose everybody over with ridiculously high uh, interest rates. You know, I got married, and I married into some student loan debt. We were paying at six point eight eight percent interest rate. At the same time, my mortgage was three and a quarter percent. Now, my mortgage was subsidized by the government as well, because FHA is a FHA loans are, after all, it's a government program, right? So, it's subsidized by the government essentially to make sure that homes can be affordable for everybody to to buy. Not everybody, but majority Americans, and yet. The student loans, the vast, vast majority, something like 90% of student loans, are through the United States government, and they're hosing us on interest rates. And guess what? If I were to declare bankruptcy in my old house when I had three and quarter percent interest rate, that debt could essentially be eliminated, shrunk down. Uh, there's a lot of things there. If I declare bankruptcy and I have student loan debt, I'm screwed. You don't get out of it. Right. So I really believe that we could have some, you know, a significant step in the right direction would be a fairer student loan interest rate. After all, let's remember, you're lending money to 18, 19 year old kids who don't have a fully developed prefrontal cortex and it's been shoved down their throat for their entire life and they need to go to college to get a good job, which isn't true, by the way. And then you're giving them a high interest rate loan. I think payments got to be more flexible especially for lower income people. If you go to school for 4 or 5 years to become a, a public school teacher which start with ridiculously low salaries but we can all agree public school teachers provide a fundamental service to to our society. There needs to be some flexibility there on, on the payment schedules. Unless we don't want anybody to uh, graduate college and go into teaching and there that's, that's another problem altogether. So I think working on maybe more, some more flexibility there for, for, for lower income earners, uh, maybe even higher income earners with, uh, with some sort of a, uh, a more flexible payment repayment schedule. I think we need to do a better job of supporting trades. Um, I, I know I never had shop class. Um, <laughs> They just, it just wasn't there when I was in school. Uh, and I, I happened to have through my dad learned how to woodwork a little bit. And it's a little bit of a hobby of mine, but it, we got to show skills, uh, to, to kids. We have got to give people other avenues. We need more people that can weld. We need more people in heating and cooling. We need a variety of trades and, and it's, it's, there just isn't enough people to fill those roles. Let's stop sending every Sam Dick and Harry to college when some of them just need to get a, uh, to find a trade that 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 works for them. But we're not going to do that if we don't give them the opportunity to learn what they like to do and what they're good at doing. And we got to lower the cost of college education. Look, there is no reason in the world some of these Ivy schools should have tens of billions of dollars in their endowment funds. It's absolutely absurd that you know the government right now helps cover the cost of of public education. But when you have when you have uh, professors that are tenured that are making, you know, nine, ten, x the, uh, the 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 average median income, um, that that's kind of a problem. Um, when you have ridiculous ridiculous amounts of money in these endowments funds, that, endowment funds, that's kind of a problem. So th- there's a lot of problems with costs on college campuses. I think we could reel that back a little bit. I think these are all pretty reasonable, practical steps that would help some of the student loans problems that we're looking at that don't involve canceling magically $1.6 trillion in student loan debt. So they're, they're practical steps. Is this going to happen? Probably not. Is is a Senator Elizabeth Warren listening? Probably not. I don't think they take my advice anyways. But, you know, let's just, if I could see one thing done on this, is help the damn interest rate. Interest rate is everything on a loan. And so when you're charging kids these ridiculously high interest rates on government loans, by the way, you're setting them up for a lifetime of debt and failure. And so I think we got to, we got to take a long, hard look at that. But anyways, that's this week's episode of Prosperity by the Pine. Don't forget to subscribe Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's where we are. Cheers.